You're listening to Fan Holes, a podcast for fans by the fans. Secret Brothers. I have clinical. You guys are like wasting my time right now. Hey, baby. What's <laughs> going on? This is my microphone voice. <laughs> Where do you buy those that? I need one. Yeah, I don't know what the fuck is going on. I didn't invent honorable mentions, mister. <laughs> I have a headset. It looks way cool. You should all be jealous. I, uh, we are. I'm with Mike on that one. I'm a woman! <laughs> it is our show. It's called Fan Holes, not, you know, what you guys want. <laughs> <laughs> We do a podcast? What the fuck? It's a miracle we finally got this dinky podcast of yours stabilized. You were the idiot who wouldn't listen to Fan Holes, the pop culture podcast made for the fans by the fans. Silence! There is much to do. We will listen to other podcasts. We will suck them dry. We will build a podcast 100 times more powerful than Fan Holes. And I will rule the galaxy! Who will rule the galaxy? Me! It is my destiny! We shall see, Galvatron. We shall see. Hey guys, welcome back to another exciting episode of Fan Holes Podcast. Tonight we have a very special all Transformers type show for you tonight. Uh, we're going to be discussing two different things in the realm of Transformers. We're going to be discussing, first up, the IDW comic book Transformers Regeneration. We're going to be discussing the first arc of that storyline. And then following that, we're going to be also discussing Transformers in the realm of video games. And I know a lot of people have been talking about Transformers uh, Fall of Cybertron. And, uh, you know, all of us here at Fan Holes that are on the show tonight have played the game. And we're just going to share some of our thoughts with you on all this kind of video game hijinks and shenanigans. So, uh, obviously, I am Derek, Derek WC. I'm going to be your host for tonight. And I'm joined by two of my fellow fan holes. Why don't you give us a shout-out, guys, and let everybody know who's here. Hey, this is Brian Breakdown. And it's Mike Thunderwing. Have I saved Cybertron only to destroy the Earth? Cool. So we're basically talking about IDW's Transformers Regeneration. Now, the basic gist of this comic book is there was a big poll about, you know, basically the original Marvel Comics G1 Generation 1 continuity uh, ended with uh, Transformers issue number 80. Um, and, well, I, you know, I guess they went on to Generation 2 or whatever, but I guess the, the idea is they're ignoring Generation 2 and they're supposed to be continuing on. So uh, there was a free comic book day in May of uh, 2012, and they had an 80.5 issue. And, uh, you know, for the last, I don't know, what has it been, like six months or so, they've been yeah. doing uh, 
81, and, and this first arc ends with issue 85. Um, it has the original creative team, um, the writer Simon Furman, who wrote a lot of the UK comics and eventually came over to the US series Transformers somewhere in the mid-run. What was it, like in the, the 60s? Is when he came uh, 56. 56. Okay. So so he came on board like 56 or so. And then, uh, you know, uh, the final, I guess, uh, I, I'd say like the final 10 issues, with the exception of a couple issues by uh, Jeff Sr., were drawn by Andrew Wildman. Um, you guys might know Andrew Wildman specifically from Transformers, but he also went on to work on things like G.I. Joe or the X-Men Adventure comics where they did like the animated series version of the X-Men and stuff like that. So you may be familiar with his work from things other than Transformers, but he, he is pretty heavily known in the Transformers community. And uh, so he and Simon Furman were the creative team that were brought back for uh, regeneration. Um, I guess I'll just, uh, you know, just ask you guys, like, you know, what did you guys think of Regeneration so far? Well, I guess, you know, uh, I'm, I guess it's, it's not like, I'm trying to find a polite way to say this, but like, I guess the best way to say it is it's, yeah, yeah, I was going to say it's not exactly what I was expecting, but yeah, and it, 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 it does have kind of that whiff of, you know, uh, I guess I have to say it hackishness to it, but like you know, I, I'm I'm very forgiving of Simon Furman, so like I'm kind of and being that we we have two like really good other Transformers comics at the like moment, I'm kind of like very forgiving of this book. Do you want to want to expand a little bit on what you mean by like hackishness, just in case I don't, in case just, in just in case people listening aren't aren't clear what what specifically you might be referring to or anything. I don't know, just like, you know, stuff that, like, seems like it belonged in the 90s and should have stayed in the 90s and stuff. Like, you know, like, uh, obviously, like, Circuit Smasher and, you know, like, it's like, oh, my God, you, like, stepped right out of, like, the 90s. Like, Spike Wiki comes back as, like, a grim 90s, like, anti-hero and stuff. It seems seems like, like, if, just voicing my own quick uh, diatribe on it is, Regeneration is a lot like G.I. Joe, a real American hero, which also had Larry Hama working on it, which was supposed to be a continuation of the Marvel comic as well. Um, Other things it reminds me of are things like X-Men Forever, where it's supposedly supposed to continue the Claremont run of X-Men uninterrupted, like as if this is somehow what Claremont would have wrote had he been given the chance. Uh, you know, you've got things like X-Factor Forever, which is the same basic idea, but with the Louise Simonson run and all that kind of stuff. I think all these series, like, fail, because, like, <laughs> like they, they, they attempt to do something in the sense that they're attempting to recapture something that was from long ago and, and, and create some kind of continuation to it. But to me, it never feels like it's... It, I feel like I'm promised a continuation, but what it actually is is an all-new story set, like, 40 years in the fucking future. And I'm just kind of like, you know, I'm exaggerating, but in this case, in uh, Regeneration's case, I guess, you know, it goes from issue 80 to issue 80.5, and it's all of a sudden it's 21 years later. And I'm just kind of like, well, that's not a fucking continuation. If you're telling me that anything that happened from, you know, I don't know, 1980-whatever when it was canceled and, and uh, you know... 2012 is boring well then to me that means issues 80 through uh 131 of transformers sucked 
And now we're going to start with issue 132. So I always, I don't know, I always feel like let down by that kind of stuff. Like you, you kind of have these sort of, I guess, I, I don't know if they're too grandiose expectations, but it, it, it does feel like something that falls a little flat well, in what you're promised. In in defense of that, like some like, I, and I agree with this to to an extent, but some like you know, I bet like you know, some people just don't want to write like a period like piece or anything, and like if it continued right after eighty, it would have been in ninety, like the actual year would have been nineteen ninety three. So like I, he would have to if he really didn't want to touch on any of that, he would have to keep kept like you know the action off Earth or to avoid like any like dated references and stuff. Yeah, but Earth so, is like, decimated. Like who the fuck cares what you? Yeah, it, that's a. It, that, I, mean, I was gonna say. I mean, it, if, it doesn't. If it's in 1997, the Earth could be decimated. I don't. You know, if it's in 2000. 15, the Earth is decimated. It's not like they're going to be like, oh, dude, <laughs> it looks like Witwicky's on his cell phone in the middle of the fucking uh, Mad Max Thunderdome. <laughs> I, I was going to say, no. yeah, like it, 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 but it doesn't matter. Yeah, like even... I, I, I don't know. Like, like, yeah. To me, it seems like the reason why you have Witwicky as Circuit Smasher is because they don't have the rights to use Circuit Breaker because it's a Marvel character. I mean, that's the only reason why he's there changed at all. I don't know. That That's my take on it. It's just strictly legal reasons, you know? Yeah. I mean, otherwise he'd be thrown in the Neonites and they'd all be in those big mech battle suits fighting alongside him and stuff, too, I would think. You know, like if it was a logical continuation of issue 80, do you know what I mean? And, like, yeah. I, I don't know, like, from my perspective, and, and you guys can interrupt me if, if you want to and talk more about it, but, you know, I, I always kind of thought, like, at least in terms of G.I. Joe and Transformers, as much as they want to deny it and as much as, you know, you enjoy certain runs where they get away from the standard element of Hasbro inflicting, like, toys on the the storylines, to me that was always a part of it. So, like, I mean, I, I know this will sound like a total fanboy lame thing, but it's like, what what if you started with issue 80 and by issue 100... You know, Prime and Megatron were like Alligator Megatron and, you know, <laughs> Bat Prime or whatever from that uh, KB2 pack or whatever it is. Like, I, I don't know. You know, to me, it's like I, I, I kind of was trying to think of like, you know, if you actually looked at like what would have Hasbro inflicted on them if they had proceeded with the comic book or what wouldn't they have. I don't know. Just things like that where you could have tackled other, you know, other things besides, I guess, to me, it just seems kind of far-fetched that, like, the Transformers, or I guess the Autobots, didn't know anything was going on Earth for 21 years. They just left, and, you know, okay, it's devastated, but it's like, what, they didn't know about it? Like, I, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like, it, to me, it's like, if the Decepticons are so powerful, they could have left for, like, a week, and Earth would have been devastated. Like, or, yeah. or you know, I, I don't know if people are going to argue with me about it, but, you know, a week, a month, a year, whatever, like, that's a little more believable, because then, then you can, I don't know, the Autobots seem like they have a lot of guilt on their shoulders, because you're like, well, you know, if, if Prime's busy setting up Cybertron and dealing with all these factions, kind of like Bumblebee is, and more than meets the eye, you know, then at least you could argue, well... You know, it's been a busy week for Prime, and he didn't notice, as opposed to, it's been a busy 21 years for Prime to sit there and be moody and have his head up his ass and not realize, like, all this shit went down after they left the planet, you know? Like, it's like, they didn't leave Fortress Maximus or, like, anybody behind. Like, they could have had, like, one asshole 
stay behind, you know, like fucking tailgate or somebody. Be like, well, it, they did leave four Max behind, didn't they? And he got like pretty much destroyed. Oh, he, he got destroyed. Yeah. But then, like, what if Fort Fort well, Max call you? No, I agree with you actually. And I was twenty one years. Like, yeah, you're not going to be like, hey, dude, what's up? I was thinking, like, you know, even if, like, Optimus Prime's being, you know, a wussy pacifist on Cybertron for 21 years, like, in Transformers fiction, there are a lot of Autobots who are very, like, Earth-oriented and, like, you know, like, basically Earth lovers or whatever, who have, like, vested interest in Earth. So it's kind of weird to think that, you know, um, like, I don't remember from the comics who might be alive at this time, but people like Hound or beachcomber you know who are totally in love with earth like it's weird to think of them like not wanting to at least like check in or like monitor you know signals and stuff coming from earth to see if everything yeah, was okay yeah. for like that entire I, time period i would maybe just offer as an explanation that like cybertron was like reborn and like in after like in at the end of issue 80 like the at the end of the original series so maybe they just didn't have the capability to like contact earth or anything like i know there there were times in the original like marvel series where like you know getting a message from cybertron to earth was like a big thing like mm-hmm. you know okay. where where like you know megatron you know gets that message from like straxus and like i don't know issue 17 or 18 and he's like oh, there are still like decepticons like alive on cybertron and stuff and we need to like set up the space bridge so we can you know get in contact with them so i don't know maybe they just couldn't like contact them or but then again like in issue like 83 or 82 like they finally find the message and like i guess it was like oh we just didn't try hard enough to contact (laughs) them i guess yeah like that that's why i feel like i i don't know when i'm reading it i just i feel these pangs of responsibility because it's like I, I get, like, where, you know, they're like, oh, we want to make it sort of its own thing. But it's like, if you want to make it its own thing, then it's not really a continuation. And if it's 21 years down the road, it's like, wait, seriously? Like, 21 years? Like, they, it was, they were too busy to check the message or send the message or whatever? I mean, I don't know. I haven't, like, read it. You know, I've been reading it month to month. So, you know, I could be misremembering things. And, you know, people could be yelling at me, like, what about this scene or whatever? But I, I just kind of... I don't know, that that sort of, I don't know, it just feels like the Autobots are, are put in this weird position to me, you know, so mm-hmm. I just kind of, I, I just kind of feel like, it, it just seems like the, the whole point in the original series was to protect, you know, Earth from the Decepticons because Prime feels responsible for crashing their ship, you know, like he brought the war to that planet. It's like, I get that he's responsible for his own planet, but I, I don't know. It just seems like, it just seems like better. Well, could have been I, I would, I would also, I would also point out that Prime's never made a lot of good decisions in Marvel That's comics, true. like <laughs> blow, he, blowing himself up over a video game. He, he, like, he is, he is Mr. Prime, you know, like, you know, so yeah, it's like, hey, yeah. Mr. I mean, he didn't stop to think what would happen to, like, the Autobots when he killed himself, so, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. it's like... Yeah. I almost look at the whole series as almost like a experiment and be careful what you ask for, because, mm. you know, like, as a fan, when I first heard about it, you know, I mean, how many fans were wishing, like, yeah, I wish they'd continue the original run, or, you know, on almost any comic, and, you know, you wish they had, they had the original creative team that you loved when you were a kid or whatever, and then you actually get it, and it, I don't know, it's hard to live up to, like, you know, the enjoyment and the love you had for it as a kid. Yeah, and it's the yeah. same thing, but now you're an adult and you've, you know, you've matured. 
your uh, you know reading interests have changed, writing styles have changed, all this stuff has changed, and it, I don't know. I, I guess it's hard for essentially a comic from the 90s being printed today. It's hard for that to compete with a comic from the 90s when I was a kid that I was reading at the time, you know? Yeah, I think I think it's hard to recapture certain elements because you're you know you're again you're continuing something in the year 2012, you know, and mm-hmm. kind of like what you're saying, your your reading sensibilities have changed, and maybe the creative team's artistic sensibilities have changed, and it, it's never going to be what it would have been had Transformers 81 come out in like you know you know. 19, you know, 92 or, you know, whenever the heck it would have come out, you know, so it's kind of... I know, we're really down on this, but I'd I'd like to, like, you know, flip it a little and, like, say a couple positive things, but I I find it really, really refreshing and, like, I don't know, like, pure and honest that Megatron is, like, an absolute evil, like, insane scumbag, like, with no redeeming qualities, like... It seems like all too often in like more like current portrayals of Megatron, it's always like you know he was like you know a, a, a like it's always like you know him and Optimus were friends once, and you know he was had a sympathetic background and you know and stuff, but not this Megatron. This Megatron is a total scumbag, <laughs> and like like I found like even when like he has the big like he has the huge like zombie army, and I'm like man, you like resurrected and like lobotomized all your troops and stuff like and he's just like kind of reveling in it he's kind of like i should have lobotomized all of you years ago it, you know? it kind of yeah. reminded yeah. me of uh of beast machines megatron for some reason you know like that that this was his his manner of inflicting perfection on his army do you know what i mean it's like, he's like yeah no no questioning me you know just complete like obedience like this is awesome you know yeah but like I found that really like very fresh and like honest and like you know that that was that was one of the things that really like pulled me back into the eighties about you know like we were saying it didn't feel like it but some elements do and that is definitely one of the elements that that does like a totally unapologetic villain. Well, I, I think it's interesting because I think I think when we talked about Last Stand of the Wreckers, you know, one I think I played devil's advocate for Deathsaurus or whatever that he was. You know, calling out Megatron for all those. You things. mean Overlord? Oh, Overlord, sorry, my bad. Uh, Overlord was calling out Megatron, you know, all those years, and he never showed up and everything. Um, but you know, in, in this case, I, I think it's kind of flipped a little bit. You know, Megatron's calling out Prime and all these other guys for 21 years, you know, and then they finally show up or whatever. I mean, I guess, I guess once it gets into it, I, I mean, for in terms of positives, I mean, I've always liked uh, Andy Wildman's art. So, I mean, I, I don't think I care too much whether it was, you know, from, you know, 1989 you know, or whether it's from, you know, 2012 or whatever. I think it's fun to see him, you know, tackle Transformers again, you know, draw them. I always appreciated that. I think, um, to me, he always seemed to give them a more uh, human sensibility. You know, I like that. You know, I mean, I know some people might be critical of this, and, you know, they're just like, oh, they're fucking robots. But I, I always kind of liked that, uh, you know, teeth would fly out of people's, you know, the mouths. Spittle and the everywhere. Spittle yeah, and like, all that. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I kind of dug it because I just felt like it was, it was a way of, uh, you know, it was a subtle way of humanizing characters that were, certain writers, <clears throat> um, Shane McCarthy, <clears throat> uh, you know, cannot get that, 
you can personify these people and, and have them be characters that people actually care about and have arcs and sensibilities. You know, you don't have to have, you know, 200 uh, uh, human dudes, you know, running around in army fatigue. Oh, uh, you, you mean uh, Mike Costa. Oh, okay. Well, you know. He was, he was the one, I think he's the one you're describing. Okay. But yeah. Not not that Shane McCarthy was any that much better, but still. I, I don't know. It just seemed like it seemed like those those that run of comics, whether it was uh, Shane McCarthy or Mike Costa, like it just seemed like like the excuse was always, well, you know, we, you know, I, I don't. It seemed like they've made excuses for for how their runs were received and and how it was so tough to write. Um, you know, write machines like, oh, I can't write a toaster with characterization. I'm like, if you draw little fucking, you know, Mickey Mouse eyes on them and a smiley fucking face like in Cars, yes, you fucking can. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't particularly love the movie Cars, but I mean, what the fuck is the difference? You know, it's the same shit. You know, they're personified, little kids like them. You know, uh, the parents that go to watch it with the kids go, oh, you know, or whatever. I mean, you know, to me, it's no different. But, you know, they try to make it like it's this... uh huge Herculean leap to, uh, to do that. Um, and in this case, uh, you know, in its defense, you know, I mean, as far as like Simon Furman goes, I mean, it's easy to forget what you had. I mean, obviously we have some great comics with like more than meets the eye and stuff like that. So maybe you, you hold it to a different standard now and you go, Oh, regeneration isn't as good as more than meets the eye, let's say, but you know what? I, I would rather read uh, 20 issues of regeneration than read any of that Mike Costa crap. You know, yeah, just, it's true. So just to put it's it still, just to put it in perspective. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. it it definitely has its charm, no matter the flaws. And I I gotta say, I didn't like. Uh, I, I was kind of like already like tweaking to how like the whole Ratchet like Megatron situation was gonna like play out. Like I'm like, okay, well someone's gonna either Mercy kill Ratchet or you know something's gonna happen to that effect. But I gotta give Furman credit. I didn't see Springer dying coming. Mm. Like, that came out of nowhere. I was like, what? what? It seems like, okay. I, I think in this case, it's a lot less toy-oriented and more like that he can just do whatever he wants with the characters because he's probably going to give it some kind of finite ending, I, I would guess. You know, like, I mean, that, that's why, I mean, in terms of positives, it's like, obviously, like, I'm a big fan of, you know, Hot Rod and Rodimus Prime. And, I, you know, this it's very subtle and in the background, but, you know, he leaves hot rod on Cybertron and he's going through his little vision quests and all that kind of stuff. And so to me, I'm kind of like, Oh, maybe this will somehow get you up to the point where Rodimus was in the UK. You know, I don't know, you know, crazy, like that version of it, you know, where, where, you know, Rodimus was eventually in charge of things and stuff like that. I'm, I'm curious to see if that even plays out or not, but uh, you know, that, that kind of element, I'm, I'm more excited to see guys, like Galvatron and Rodimus and stuff like that, which, you know, very, they were very subtly, you know, not, not as uh, played up in this arc, but if, if that continues, maybe they'll be in, you know, uh, a future arc and have that all to themselves. Were they still planning on issue, uh, ending on issue 100 or whatever? Uh, yeah, that's the current plan. I see. I was, another small note, I was also, like, happy that Furman put, like, Cup front and center, 
Because not only is Cup like, you know, in those last like 20 issues of like Transformers, not only was Cup like, you know, a very visible presence and stuff, but, you know, currently in like IDW continuity, Cup's like off the table, like he's dead or a zombie or something. So it's like, it's nice to see someone who isn't in the other continuity, like getting like a lot of panel time. So. Yeah, I mean, it's probably like when, when there's a reason to have Ultimate Comics because Colossus is dead, so you need Ultimate Colossus to like, fill your, your, you know, desire to see, uh, your, you know, whoever your favorite character is, you know. It's nice that with Cup being inactive in one universe, he gets to, you know, have some spotlight and shine in the other universe. I also liked that, like, like one of my favorite scenes from the original series is when, you know, the fused uh, Ratchet Megatron creature is, like, rampaging through the arc, and Cup, like, takes Prime aside, and he's like, look, you know... I get it. He's your friend, but he has to, like, you can't let this thing live. You know, it's putting all our lives in danger, and if you don't do something about it, I'm going to. And, you know, and, it, like, he finally gets to do something about it in, like, Regeneration 1, so. Do you have any uh, hopes for, for, you know, where you see the, the story going? Like, is there anything that you'd like, you know, any characters you'd like to see spotlighted or any any kind of, you know, arcs? things that you'd like to see touched on? I mean, how do you guys feel about, like, the Dinobots, let's say? Or... Honestly, I can't think of, like, a whole lot offhand of, like, things I'd want to see. Um, I'm just kind of... I, I will say, like, to mention a few positive things of my own, because we did kind of bash it a little bit. Like, um, I do enjoy... You know, I'd, I'd rather have it than not have it. I do enjoy reading it. And there, and although I like um, some of IDW's other books better, like More Than Meets the Eye is great, there are times like there's so much secret secret stuff going on or like weird political stuff going on, it gets kind of complicated to read. So having regeneration as um you know kind of a simple straightforward throwback type book, um I there's a lot of joy to be had in just that. Like when you want to sit down and just read a comic, not to think too much. So I do enjoy that, but um you know it's been a long time since I've read the like original 80 issue run. I have the big white, you know, IDW collections of those, but I don't think I've read it in, within like the past year or two or anything. So, I guess basically I'm just along for a ride, and we'll see where it goes. Yeah, I think that's I think that's totally fair. I mean, you know, I I I I didn't mean to be super harsh or negative. I just wanted to sort of voice my my criticisms of it, you know, which mm-hmm. was you know basically like the time frame type stuff. And, and the fact that, you know, certain, I don't know, you know, certain things like that, uh, you know, kind of irked me the wrong, I, I guess it gave it a, an irky start to me. But, I mean, <laughs> I agree with what you're saying, that it is kind of a more straightforward story. Like, you know who the fucking bad guys are. You pretty yeah. much know who the good guys are. Like, there's not a bunch of, uh, is he good, is he bad, political intrigue or, or any kind of, uh, you know, big mystery of anything you know you you just kind of know hey you know prime's the good guy he's a little fucking off his game i guess but he's still the good guy you know um you know so that's i mean you know i i don't know if you guys is, is there any other final comments or anything that you want to offer up mike before we move on to uh fall of cybertron well, I, I like the fact that, like, this is now, like, Furman's, like, sandbox, and he can kind of, like, do whatever he wants, so I definitely enjoy the, uh, like, you know, the the feeling that anything will go now, like, anyone will die, and anyone, everyone will stay dead, probably, so, like, it's kind of, you know, it's it, it, it's still exciting to pick up every month to see, like, exactly what happens, so that's always pretty cool. Cool. 
All right. So uh, so that's uh, some quick thoughts on IDW's uh, Transformers Regeneration 1. Um, obviously, like as we're recording this, uh, the, the first arc uh, is complete. It's uh, 81 through 85. And I think, uh, I think 86 just came out a little while ago. But by the time you read this, probably the second arc will be done as well, which I think that focuses more on... Uh, you know, Grimlock and the Dinobots, from what I understand. Nobody's heard from Grimlock or his team since. Grimlock has a team? They call themselves uh, the Lightning Strike or something or other. That's terrible. So moving on, I guess we're going to be also discussing uh, Transformers in video games. And uh, Fall of Cybertron is the sequel to, I guess, the, the smash hit uh, War for Cybertron. Um, and it is... Uh, by High Moon Studios and Activision, and uh, it's I, I think it's a pretty awesome game. I, I had a great time playing it. Um, you know, I, I don't know if you guys want to chime in and, and say anything uh, specific, or if you want to go through you know things like uh, you know the characters you get to play or the gameplay, or maybe make any comparisons between uh, you know the original War for Cybertron how it compares to this new one. But you know, have at it, guys. Like let, let everybody know what you think. Um, I think I'm in the minority, so I'll go first, but I almost liked the original um, War for Cybertron like better than Fall of Cybertron, and I don't know if it's just because it's like, kind of a novelty to have such a good, you know, the real first good Transformers game on the PlayStation 3 or Xbox 360, that level of platform, but um, I don't know. I've, I've just replayed that game a lot of times. I've replayed it, you know, with both of you as well as um, just replaying it by myself. And I was pretty stoked for Fall of Cybertron, and there's a lot of parts that I really like that weren't in the first game, like playing as Bruticus rocked. Um, the sound wave level was super short, but that like quickly became my, my favorite level of the whole game. Um, so it definitely has its strong points, but I think overall I enjoyed the first game better. Is there any particular re- I mean, reason why other than, you know, kind of what you were just discussing, like reasons why you liked certain things in the first game better than the second game? Like, is it because you, you know, because of the, the co-op type stuff? Is it because of, you know, mm-hmm. the character? I definitely got more playthrough play? with the co-op and stuff. And like I said, I think it's just the novelty of having, like, a really great Transformers game on, you know, this current gen of systems at the time. So it just kind of cemented itself as, you know, my favorite, like, right away. And... Yeah. You know, at the time, I mean, even now, it's pretty evident that, like, High Moon Studios, like, took the, you know, subject matter pretty seriously, and that they really, you know, wanted to make something that the fans could, you know, long-term fans um, could really appreciate and stuff. And, um, you know, I mean, like, there's a Stan Bush song and things like that that they threw in the game. It's just a lot of, like, nods to fans that really enamored me with the first game. And I guess... um, I don't know. The the second game, I just didn't have the same, like, enthusiasm. Like, it's still a really fun game, and the the only part that I can, like, you know, specifically point out that I found lacking was, you know, the lack of co-op, which does really suck. Um, I think they, they did a lot with improving, like, you know, making the gameplay more varied, and, like I said, letting you play as people like Bruticus, or letting you call on Metroplex Missile Strikes. All that stuff is cool, but um, the first game just had a lot of charm i guess and impressed me so much when i first played it that it's hard to beat no i think that's i think that's a fair assessment of, of the uh, 
the two games. Um, I, I really haven't finished playing War for Cybertron. Like, I know you talked about you played it with us a little bit, and, you know, I played some of those levels with you guys, and I played some of the beginning levels and stuff, but I, I never really sat through that game and played it the whole way through. Um, I think, for me, what I enjoyed the most about this game, and then I guess I played through, like, Arkham Asylum not too long after, was it, it, these games, to me, felt like a Resident Evil 4-type game. And I guess what I mean by that is it's fun, but it's not, like, a pain in the ass in the sense that, like, there, there's no point in Resident Evil 4 where you accidentally fucking fall off a platform and then you have to go all the way back to the beginning of the level and start over again. It's like you what land on What about when a, you're on the lake with that boat and there's that monster... But I mean, I, I mean, like all I mean, the time. <laughs> I mean, I mean, like when you're jumping across like stupid things, it's like you 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 go on a bridge, you press the X, the guy runs across and leaps. It's never like, whoops, I didn't jump far enough, or I didn't, I jumped too short, and now like, I'm like, falling to my death. Like playing co-op and I kept falling to my death. Yes, <laughs> you know what I like, like that that kind of stuff. Like, like I think. It, it, just for me personally, you know, I know gamers like challenges and they like different things like that. But the, basically, my enjoyment level is is based on how frustrated or not frustrated I get. And I don't know if it's maybe that I'm just more I, I come at it more from some kind of adult standpoint. But for me, uh, Fall of Cybertron was fun because the times I got frustrated, I guess I basically put the game down and maybe came back to it the following morning. And what was interesting about it was, like, the, the guys I call the Lugnut guys or whatever, I don't know what their official name is, but they all look like Lugnut. Oh, the, the Leapers? Yeah, the, the, they all look like Lugnut from Transformers mm-hmm. Animated to me. And I'm like, you know, I remember fighting them with Prime and when, like, all three of them come out in that early level, and for some reason they were all, like, you know, taking my wallet, you know, like they were kicking <laughs> the shit out of me. And I was like, man, man, all these Lugnut guys, I hate these fucking guys. Like, why do they keep killing me? They piss me off. I'm motherfucking Lugnut. And I was all mad, you know, and then I kind of put it away for that night, came back to it the next morning. Somehow, whether it was the way the, the, the game loaded or, you know, that I just played it a little more strategically, you know, instead of just kind of ripping through the levels or whatever, it went really easy the second time. But I still had that fear of the lug nuts so that when they have the scene with Metroplex, you know, and, and all the lug nuts are like ganging up on you, the leapers in that hallway, I was like, oh, fuck, what am I going to do now? You know, and it made that scene really cool where his hand smashes through the wall and takes all of them out. Yes. And you're like, and you're like, thank fucking God, because, you know, it's like, it's like I was frustrated for a reason. And, mm-hmm. and that frustration paid off in that scene. So I was OK with that. And the fact that it wasn't so hard to tackle when I put it down once and came back to it a second time. Um, I think for the most part, like that part, and then the part where, like, I think Cliff Jumper gets, like, the, you know, when you're trying to beat the, the timer before the screen blacks out on you or whatever. I think those two parts were the most frustrating for me, but it was very limited. Like, the rest of the game just seemed to, you know, flow like wine, cut like cheese, like whatever you want to call it. Like it wasn't anything that I got really, really frustrated with. You know, there was never a point where I was like, fuck this game and and I'm just not going to play it anymore. And I think if a game ever gets to that point for me personally, that's where I lose a lot of enjoyment with it. And I think from what I played of War of Cybertron, I think there'd be points in it where I would eventually go, you know what, fuck this game. Like it's pissing me off too much. And, uh, you know, for, for whatever reasons, um, you know, just, you know, 
things that are hard to get past for me because I'm not a super great gamer or whatever. But, um, I mean, as far as co-op being missing, like, I could understand people being disappointed by that, but I think the trade-off is kind of what you talked about, that you get to play multiple Autobots. I think the Autobots were kind of more pussies, and I had more fun playing the Decepticons. Like, I think we're secret brothers, like the Bruticus thing, where you can just stomp over everybody and kick the shit out of them. I mean, it's very liberating, very free, you know, it's very enjoyable. Um, I think my favorite, um, as evidenced by my little Skype avatar, is... um, playing as Megatron with his fusion cannon. I mean, that to me was like, as opposed to like, you know, having to mow down people, I guess what I would call like Gears of War style, where you do this spray action gunfire and you don't know if any of the bullets actually hit or what. But uh, the the main thing that that I I think distinguished uh, War of Cybertron Megatron for me between Fall of Cybertron Megatron is Fall of Cybertron Megatron felt like Megatron from the comic books, or at least, you know, the UK Simon Furman Megatron, where he was definitely fucking up Autobot shit. You know, it's like one fucking fusion cannon blast, and the guys are like, like, you know, (laughs) run away, you know, and all that kind of stuff. Whereas, you know, in terms of what I kind of call like the Gears of War, you know, machine gun spray, that's kind of how I felt like Megatron was. He was just another pussy you know, like the Autobots are in Fall of Cybertron when you play him in War of Cybertron with all the units, you know, depending on what gun you use or who you have or what ammo you have access to, you know. So I I, I never liked feeling like uh, uh, unsuperior, you know, in that that sort of environment. You know, it's like if I play Megatron, I want to fucking, you know, it's kind of like it'd be like if you played Bruticus and then all of a sudden, you know, uh, one dude like takes you out, and you're just kind of like, "What? I'm fucking Bruticus, dude!" Like, you know, like you, that. It's like, it's like, well, you you have to be pretty terrible to die when you're Bruticus. Yeah, yeah, much, yeah. You know, like it's just kind of like like that that kind of thing where where it you you want to. It, it's enjoyable to me to to have that feeling of you know I can understand if like you know you're vortex and you get taken out maybe once or twice or something like that, but uh, you know it's like when you're these kind of invincible Decepticon, you know, merciless dudes. Like, I, I I, always thought it was fun to play as Megatron. You know, like, even, you know, it's like, I, you know, I might run out of ammo with a fusion cannon, but then I'd, like, turn into the tank and be like, blah, 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 <laughs> you know, and just blow the fucking guy away or whatever. You know, like, I just, I enjoyed that, that part of the game immensely. Um, as far as what, I guess, you, you know, you had some kind of concerns or, or things that you didn't think lived up to the original game, like, because that was kind of what you imprinted on first. I would just say, uh, you know, the, the Autobots are obviously not in that invincible realm. You know, certainly Optimus Prime is not, you know, even though he's like, I guess, the, the top dog Autobot or whatever. The, the more invincible feeling you get in that scenario is basically... Metroplex, kick this guy's shit, please, you know, and then Metroplex <laughs> does it for him, you know, and, and like, you know, smacks the fuck out of Megatron, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So it's like, in that sense, it's a little more diffused, but it's still very, very uh, entertaining to see Metroplex fuck people's shit up. Um, uh, I thought, like, I, I think a lot of people were really excited about the Dinobots and Grimlock, I don't know that, that I, I think maybe I kind of am secret brothers in, in that part of the level with, uh, with Brian, just because, you know, I was kind of like, oh, you're Grimlock, but then you have to fill up your 
rage meter to like actually transform. And I, I think yeah, I think I only posted that on the boards, but I definitely was underwhelmed. I, it's for me, it was kind of like it felt like you weren't really playing, you, you were playing with shackles or you were, you know, restrained. And I yep. think even when I finally transformed into the, the Tyrannosaurus Rex mode, like, I think it was so limited that I don't think I ever took full advantage of that mode. Like, I didn't bother to learn anything because I wasn't in it for very long. So I, I, I don't know if that's just my own shortcomings as a gamer or what. But I just kind of was like, eh, even the T-Rex kind of sucks. Like, all I did was stomp on people, turn back into the normal mode, and start slicing them with my sword or whatever the fuck I was originally doing. And I was just kind of like, eh, okay. Yeah, the thing for me is, like, you know, um, even just, like, a decently well-made Transformer game, like, the ace of its sleeve is that it's a Transformers game. And there's no other game where you have that type of gameplay, like where you can just, you know, like run down a hallway, do a jump, transform into a jet or a car and take off and, you know, spin around a guy, transform back, shoot him in the back. You know, that's something that's unique to Transformers. And when it came to like Grimlock, it almost felt like they took that ability away, you know, like like you're able to punished or something. Yeah, it was weird. It like it made it not a Transformer game during those moments, and I didn't really, I don't know, I didn't dig it as much as, like, um, I, I know Mike really liked the Dinobot level, I believe, but, yeah, I just kind of felt underwhelmed, I guess. Well, then then, then maybe Mike should go into it, like, what, you know, prove us wrong or, or, or offer a counter vantage point, you know, like, what was what was awesome about the Dinobot level and what did you like about it? Yeah, screw you guys. <laughs> um, I, I, I liked it. Well, I guess, I don't know, like, I I felt like, um, I was transforming to T-Rex mode, like, enough. Like, I I didn't feel like I, like, I know there was the whole rage meter thing, but I always felt like I was filling it up really fast, no matter what I did, so, like, I was transforming every couple minutes, so it felt like enough, like, to me. And, like, I really liked that, like, with Grimlock, with the way you recovered health was, like, you had to hit, like, the Y button, which, like, did, like, a little animation that, like, you know, murdered the fuck out of whoever you, like, stabbed, (laughs) and then you got health from that. And, like, once I figured out that when you're in T-Rex mode and you use that, and you can assassinate or, like, eliminate even the bigger enemies like that, like, I kept, like, wanting to see, like, all the different, like, animations and stuff. Like, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but in the last level with Grimlock, if you're the T-Rex and you use, like, the assassinate thing, you can kill a Leaper in one hit. Because, what do you call, he he grabs the leaper by the waist, like, in his jaws, throws it up, turns around, and impales it on his tail, and then, like, turns and, like, like flamethrowers him at point-blank range, and I'm like, oh, that's awesome! Like, so I was, like, going around trying to, like, assassinate, like, different enemies in, like, the T-Rex mode and stuff, so uh, that's where I got, like, most of the fun with those levels, so I was kind of okay with it. Like, I felt like it was a smaller, like, um... It was, like, a level and a half of, like, a smaller, like, scaled-down version of the Bruticus level, almost, where, like, you know, Grimlock's not that powerful, but he's still pretty, like, you know, unstoppable and unchained and stuff, and I, I, you know, I I was okay with it. No, I I think that's good. I I think that speaks to me just being either really frugal or a shitty gamer, because I wasn't, 
I wasn't trying to view all the animations. I think I think maybe that might tie into some of what Brian was saying about enthusiasm. You know, like I I think maybe by that point I was like, okay, let me just get through this shit. And I think instead of turning into the T Rex, I just kind of hacked and slashed a lot of guys and and was kind of yeah. like, because for me I think it felt like you, you know when you do like a super move in Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter and it misses, like I felt like because I'm a dumbass gamer, like, that's what I was doing with Grimlock when I transformed into him. It was like I worked so hard to fill up the rage meter, and then the rage meter missed, like, mm-hmm. nine <laughs> times out of ten, cause, either because I'm a dumbass or whatever. But, like, it was just like after a while, I was just like, ah, fuck this. It's not going to do anything if I turn into the T-Rex, you know? Like, I'll just I'll just take all these guys out and, and get to the next cutscene, which is what I really want to see. Um, but uh, speaking of cutscenes, um, poor fucking uh, Sludge, I guess, is uh, is owned, right? <laughs> yeah, like, I, I felt poor. bad for Sludge. Um, yeah, and then, he was the only one who didn't get in. Yeah, and then, and then and then here's my little mini rant about it, and then I, I shall never speks of it again. Um, the Triceratops's name is Slag. I don't care if little Tanktonese newcomer spot-headed kids are offended, because uh, <laughs> Slag is a insult to uh, fictional characters. Or it's a real insult somewhere where I don't live. But uh, his name is Slag, and I don't like any of this shit like <laughs> Autobot Slag or uh, Sludge or whatever the fuck they call him, and all that kind of horseshit. So, you know, all the little Tank Denise, <laughs> all the little fictional Tank Denise kids that are offended, like, they can go cry themselves a river and drink sour milk and get drunk on it. So, the end. If you know what I'm talking about, it's hilarious. If you don't, fuck you. So, you <laughs> I'm, I'm with you, Derek. Hey, Mike, I wanted to ask you, uh, Derek, Derek's favorite part seems to be Megatron. Mine seems to be the Soundwave level. Did you have, like, a favorite character or level that stood out to you? Man, it's really hard to narrow it down, because I, like, was enjoying, like, the whole game, pretty much. Like, even, even like, the, like, I guess the least favorite level I had were, like, the Cliff Jumper and Starscream levels, because they, they favored, like, stealth and stuff, and I don't like playing like that. Like, even in, like, games like Metal Gear Solid, like, I'd, I'd rather go out blasphemy. and shoot someone. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I know, well, you know what, though? I, I, I hate wakey-wakey bullshit, and that's what I call stealth mode, because of fucking, yeah. you know, because of uh, Wolverine, you know, X2, or whatever, like, I hate that fucking game, and I played it so much where it's like, you know, Wolverine's got to sneak up on all the guys and, like, clunk them out of their beds, and it's Mark Hamill, and he's like, wakey, wakey. But, like, he only <laughs> he only recorded that one fucking line, so, like, they try to change it up throughout the course of the game, so all they do is, like, slow it down, like, with the you know, sound. <laughs> so it's like, it's like Mark Hamill just said, like, wakey, wakey, but then it's like you get wakey, wakey, or it'll be like, wakey, wakey. You know, and stupid shit like that, and, like, if you play that game long enough, like, that's all you fucking remember is, like, wakey-wakey, and that's that's what, like, stealth stuff always feels like to me, where it's like, what, I gotta hide as Cliff Jumper, and you gotta, like, you gotta, you know, listen to those Decepticon ass fucks, like, have a conversation, and, you know, go up the elevator, and, yeah, that, that stuff, yeah. like, fuck you guys, you know. And there is a certain, like, level of, like, again, like, with the Grimlock thing, there is a certain level of satisfaction of getting, like, the assassination, like, animations off, like, you know, when you sneak up behind those stupid fucking-ass bird drones, yeah, he, bird he, he, head he, he, drones, yeah, and, like, kill them in one hit, like, you're like, that's right, you know, I'm not fighting you, but, yeah, some of that stuff, like, I lost patience with, but other than that, like, every other level was, like, man, like, I was really happy with that game, like, 
I, 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 um, I did enjoy the, I mean, I know the co-op is, is a loss to, to a lot of people, but I did enjoy the variety. I think, I think for me, like, that's always enjoyable to be able to switch back and forth to different characters, you know, different alternate modes. Like, it's fun to, you know, be a helicopter as Vortex. It's fun to be a plane, but then you can also be a car. Or, like, that space battle at the end where you're, like, just yes. swapping back and forth yeah. between, like, all these different characters. Like, That's I thought awesome. that was... I thought that was brilliant, yeah. you know, and it was so it was so fun and fast-paced and everything, and, and you got to... You know, it, it, it's kind of like going to a, a buffet, I guess, you know, with really good food and getting to, like, you know, sample a little bit of everything, you know, as opposed to, you know, I guess I, I'm not sure if, if there's any of that in War of Cybertron, because like I said, I haven't played through the whole game, but I don't think it's quite as, you know, it, it may be like one good hamburger, but not, you know, this kind of fun I know. Taste, well, here's... You know, taste testing thing or whatever. Here, I'll, I'll I'll give a counterpoint to Brian's like love of war for Cybertron while while still validating like everything he said that like you know the co-op like that's a big that's probably the biggest minus with Fall of Cybertron the lack of co-op and uh, like what do you call Fall of Cybertron I mean a War of Cybertron is a very fun game too but also like compared to Fall of Cybertron I always I like I kind of feel like War for Cybertron wasn't like originally developed as a Transformers game and then they just kind of plugged Transformers into it sort of Yeah like, yeah I, I remember you were talking about that with like the bugs and the hives and things like that yeah, it, well, it's like, there's, there's that point in War of Cy- for, for Cybertron where you, like Optimus Prime, like Ironhide and Warpath, like, go on this giant slug ride. <laughs> like, there's these giant Cybertronian slugs underground, and they all, like, sit on them and, like, go for a giant, like, ride on them. And I'm like... Wait, 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 wait. Are you trying to tell me that the Dweller in the Darkness is not canonicity? <laughs> what? Nope. No, no, I don't know. But like, I'm like, where did this come from? Like, what what is this supposed to be like homaging or, you know, then like that's where the, the points where I'm like, you know, this seems like a level they designed for like another video game. And then they're like, oh, we can use it in this one. I, I, but, blame, I blame Quintessence shenanigans, Mike. <laughs> OK, yeah, we'll, we'll go with that. But like, that's just like a, a my like I felt that's just like a minor point of concern. Mm-hmm. But like I just felt like you know the campaign and fall of Cybertron was a lot more Transformer specific. Like I mean, think of all the things you can do in Fall of Cybertron. It's like I like I said, like it's basically anything you've ever wanted to do in a Transformers game. I mean, you can be Optimus Prime and like save a bunch of Autobots from like a giant army coming at them. You can control Metroplex. You can play as a combiner. You can play as Grimlock and turn into a T-Rex. You can, like, do a space battle. You know, it's like there's so much variety in that game. Yeah, no, you know, I, I agree. It's, it's it, you know, it's a trade-off. You know, you, you couldn't do that if the game was co-op. So, you and know, you, you like, sort of have to have one or the other. Yeah. Uh, that's see that's the I guess that's the uh, the trade off and I was gonna say like Brian was saying earlier like the sound wave level like I was like okay I got to be sound wave then but then I was like oh my god I can send out like laser beak and rumble to fight yes. that's awesome yeah 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 amazing totally awesome like yeah so like it's all like little touches like that that really made the game like really like memorable for me yep. And, and and really like transformer specific like even like you know the playing as jazz and having to take down Bruticus on your own like that was like really cool yeah like, you know did you enjoy definitely. the first jazz level 
Yeah, actually, I wouldn't. It didn't seem like a level I would enjoy. Like I was going to say, oh great, more like sneaking around bullshit, you know, mm-hmm. and like I'm to snipe everyone. But I actually like the grappling hook stuff was actually kind of fun. I, yeah. I'd say if I had to rate it, I mean, I would definitely put Jazz above uh, Cliff Jumper just because I, you know how I explained it's it's based on my frustration level, and I'd say you know Cliff Jumper and the blackout stuff was frustrating to me, whereas I don't think I ever had a moment with Jazz. Jazz gameplay to me felt like, you know, what I was describing as Resident Evil 4 gameplay. It's like, yeah, he he clips on stuff and he runs right through the level and, you know, it wasn't like, I mean, I know it's supposed to be this kind of perilous thing where Jazz is on the fucking run, but it was never like, oh no, you know, Carnage spider Ock ate me or whatever. Like, it wasn't wasn't like, you know, like, it was just kind of like, I knew I was going to get through it all. No, know what made the jazz and to some extent the cliff jumper levels like good and like memorable and like tolerable even in the uh, like in the annoying parts was the fact that both jazz and cliff jumper had great great voices mm-hmm. like both yeah like, yeah both that, of them that, were that, really whoever it was I, I know a lot of people have probably said this to death but but the the guy who did uh, jazz definitely. Uh, Emulated Scatman. Yeah, 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 yeah. Very much so. And even like Cliff Jumper, like you know, uh, what's his name, Nolan North voiced Cliff Jumper. So like, I, I was kind of like, he, he does a lot of voices, like not, most notably Superboy, Angry. But uh, you know, he, he also did does Deadpool what, and uh, Cyclops, right? He's like an every game man. Yeah, I was going to say Drake from Uncharted. That's what I was going to say. It's like Nathan Drake. Wow, that's like you couldn't get more perfect for like a vo- for the voice of a guy named Cliff Jumper. You know? Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> nice. But uh, yeah, but the, like they like their banter and stuff during that those levels was really like made it hang together well. I wanted to ask you guys, what did you think of, like, you know, the voices in general? Like, some of them I thought were good, and some of them really, <coughs> Shockwave sucked. Yeah. Shockwave's, like, the immediate standout for disappointing. But, I don't know, overall, I think they did, you know, like I said, High Moon Studios really seems to try to appease the long-term fans. So, you know, they're trying to make these characters the characters we grew up with. And I think, in a large part, like, as evidenced by, you know, getting original voice actors back when they can, or getting... You know the Scatman sound alike. I think they do a good job. Yeah, yeah, I, I'll I'll go to bat for that and agree with it. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure there's some things where you know, just like you say, you have kind of uh, things that grate you where you're, you know, obviously you're used to Corey Burton's Shockwave the way it was modulated way back when. Do you know what I well, mean? Well, instead we got we got Steve Bloom's like canned voice. Well, that, that's know, the thing. It's like it's like so. that. I I didn't want to get into it and be too bitchy about it, but it was like. I, I remember I was playing this and and I played War of Cybertron with you guys and I'm kind of like what Steve Bloom's fucking you know Shockwave and he's fucking Starscream on Transformers fucking Prime and he's fucking what was he like Brawl or one of those guys uh, Barricade Barricade in in the first game I'm like come on man how many fucking Transformers are you dude like you know it's like, also come on, also dude. he was he was he was Swindle too yeah you know and you're just like holy yeah. shit and then of course he he did like all these little side voices in the the Captain America game that I played on the Wii. So I'm like, God damn it, Steve Bloom, leave me alone! You know? (laughs) So, yeah. I was. Uh, it was nice to have uh, what's his name, Greg Berger, back as Grimlock. Even though he didn't really like do the same like shtick or anything, yeah. but it, he was still a good like Grimlock at least. Yeah. And of course, you know, Peter Cullen was great, and I I really like uh, what's his face. Um, 
I forgot the guy's name, but whoever does Megatron, like, uh, like a, he did a good, like, angry Megatron and, like, scary-sounding one. I guess I guess for me, like, like uh, not that I had fun playing the level, but I think I think hearing hearing somebody that's not uh, Frank Welker or maybe David Kay is always kind of like, I just, I, I always just tilt my head just a little bit, you know, it's just, it's just a little... Oh, you know who it was? I just looked it up. It was a Fred uh, Tata score. Oh, Fred, the guy who does the Hulk. And the, yeah, 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 yeah. He's he's great. I mean, he's he is a wonderful voice actor, and it, it's no reflection on his talent or uh, you know you know the the work he puts into it. It's just it's just strictly based on stupid nostalgia and and stuff that you're used to. You know, that's all. So yeah. Uh, do we want to touch on, like, multiplayer at all? Like, I, I, I had a lot of fun, like, playing with you guys and stuff, and I played a bit on my own, and, you know, uh, sometimes it gets frustrating, but I, I really, I had a lot of fun with multiplayer, too. I, I had fun playing with you guys. I do feel gypped that I bought the stupid character pack, though. The Did you ever <laughs> figure out the colors? It's like, the colors are... Like to me, they're lame. It's like you can kind of approximate colors, but I wish there was just a mode where you could be like, oh, you know, OG colors or whatever you call it, G one or something. Yeah. Like instead of trying to finagle it, and then it's like you've got somebody who kind of looks like Ultra Magnus, but then he's got like a pink butt and a green <laughs> fucking, uh, you know, green antennas or something. You know, he's like, like, I can't deal with this now. Yeah, yeah. I just, I don't know. I, I that felt like a jip to me. I never uh, after that. I didn't bother with any of the extra content. Did you guys do any other extra content you want to tell any of the listeners about? Or? I got I got the Dinobots like pack, but that's how about do they it. play as like? Yeah, how, they, how do you... it's pretty it's pretty funny actually. Like they just they're, they're exactly like the same classes and stuff. They just like kind of run around or sw- in Swoop's case, they flat he flaps his wings as he flies around, and uh, it's funny if like you know sometimes if you're a car and you flip over and land on your back and it like sort of very slowly writes you. The same thing happens for like the Dinobots. They like kind of land on their side and keep moving their legs. <laughs> <laughs> Until like it writes you, nice. so that's kind of funny when you see like Slag and Snarl fall over on their side and they have to like slowly like write you. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing because Sludge got screwed over, he's not part of that pack, right? No, uh, Grimlock was like the soldier or the whatever the Titan. Uh, uh, Snarl was the leader class, or um, Swoop was obviously the flyer. And uh, Slag was like the infiltrator, the the scout class, oh, okay. which seemed kind of weird to me. But whatever, you know, Slag doesn't seem like a kind of like stealth guy. You know, like, he whatever. he sneaks around and gets his beryllium baloney on the side, like he knows yeah, he knows exactly. what's up with that. Um, it was like, oh man, Slag only gets these stupid machine guns. Where's his flamethrower? <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, I was disappointed a little bit that um, you know, they seem to play up the fact like you could create your own bot and like really do a lot of customization. And it really doesn't seem that in-depth. Like, you know, to go along with Derek's color thing, I mean, why can't you just color individual parts, you know, like how you want? You know, some of my favorite... Yeah, it reminds me more like, like, I don't know how to explain it other than in technical terms, but it's like if you change, like, the hue in Photoshop, it's more like that instead of, like, specifically, you know, cutting and pasting, you know, and and doing specific paint. Yeah, doesn't this one, like, force you into, like two color schemes like you pick one square 
and it matches. It has like two colors. Yeah, in it. yeah. So it's it's kind of like yeah. it's kind of like one of those things where everybody has to look like fucking Barrage, even though it's Ultra Magnus. You know, what I mean, <laughs> I mean in yeah, terms yeah. of color schemes, you know, like everybody's got to have that, you know, or it's got to be like some Steve Ditko, you know, green and and yellow thing. And I'm like, he's Ultra fucking Magnus, like not not <laughs> fucking Electro or whoever, you know, like, <laughs> green and yellow. Yeah, so I'm just kind of like, dude, come on. But um, I'm I'm just curious. Like I, I for me, like I I know Mike's praise on the game uh, was that you know it, it gives you everything a Transformers fan could want. Um, me being uh, needy and wanty, um, maybe I, I I'm just gonna throw out like there are some things I would ask for maybe in a future game. Like I don't know how it would tie into the continuity or whatever. But I would obviously I would be very excited to play as any season three type characters. You know I yes. love. I love Rodimus Prime, I love Galvatron, like all those guys, you know, or, or getting attacked by hordes of sweeps, you know, like any of that kind of stuff would be really fun for me personally. But in terms of, of um, you know, gameplay and, and turning things on its head as, as incorporating Transformers lore, I mean, we've gotten to play as a Gestalt and Dinobots, but, uh, you know, would you guys be interested in any kind of other you know, gimmicky Transformers stuff? Like, would you be interested in, in things like, you know, Micromasters or Pretenders or Target Masters or Headmasters or anything like that? You know, having a level where you, you know, you play as Spike, Cerebros, and Fort Max or, you know, any I kind of craziness like that? I always hated Micromasters in fiction because, like, you know, even in the Japanese cartoons, like, they turn to normal-sized cars, but... You know, then they're like really small in robot mode compared to the yeah, other. Yeah, that's one of those stuff. head scratchers, right? Yeah. yeah. So I don't think I'd care to play as micromasters, but like headmasters, target masters, that might be fun for a level or two. Yeah, as as long as they could find some kind of element to it, like you know, well, I I guess like it, the next logical step would be like playing as like a city guy, like instead oh, of just directing okay. Metroplex. Yeah, yeah like, like seeing as. I was going to say, seeing as, like, the nemesis, uh, Trypticon became the nemesis, it would be cool if, like, the next one you could, like, they transform the nemesis back into Trypticon, and, you know, he could rampage around Earth like Godzilla or something uh, okay. in the next one. That would be cool. Mm-hmm. Would you, would, I mean, w- since since that's the way, I guess, you know, spoilers for anybody who hasn't played it, but since since it seems to end on that note that they're both, you know, headed for Earth, like, would you want a game set on Earth instead of Cybertron, or do you prefer the game being set on Cybertron? At this point, after two games, I think Earth would be, like, you know, a fresh change of pace, to be honest. Okay, okay. Yeah, and they need to get Johnny Young Bosch back as Bumblebee. None of this stupid Bumblebee's a friggin' mute <laughs> stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if they, they just, like, recreated, like, Autobot City, like, from the animated movie or something, like, that'd be pretty badass. Like, fighting yeah, in the mountains, around working in, way yeah. down, yeah, 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 yeah. crossing dams, working your way into the city, yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, that, that would be pretty sweet. I would like that. Another another setting they could do if they if they went any kind of headmaster route is is they could set it on Nebulos, too, you know, and mm-hmm. you could have different cityscapes and stuff like that out there, you know. You could, you know, play as that would, as that would also be like, or something, you know, things like that. Like they could, they could, like you know, flip flip it a little and like have them land on Nebulos instead, you know, mm. or something like that. That would be a nice, like, weird little twist yeah, or something. Yeah. But 
I, you know, I'm just throwing ideas out there because I, I know there are certain things we have received as as fans and gamers or, or whatever you want to call us. But, uh, you know, there, there are other things that I think would be fun and interesting, you know, that, that it wouldn't make the, you know, that, that would add additional layers of variety to uh, to uh, a newer game besides just, you know, a change in setting or something, you know. I mean, I, I think I would be a little disappointed if a sequel game came out and it was just, it's set on Earth, and instead of Bruticus, you're Superion. Do you know what I mean? I'd be like, uh, well, that's, you know, I, I, I would hope that they would try to do something snazzy, you know, something new for the next time, whatever it is, whether it's reintroducing co-op or, you know, whatever, whatever the case may be. But, but overall, I mean, I like, you know, I, I'd say I, I probably enjoyed the game a lot more than, uh, than Brian did. Um, but um, I enjoyed it. I just think yeah. out of the two, the one I'm going to yeah. replay again is probably War for Cybertron again. Yeah. I, me, I'm more the type of guy. I'm like, I played through it once. I'm awesome. You know, like, no, <laughs> I beat it. I'm, I did it. Yeah, Done. I'm, good, good job, Derek. I'm, I'm happy with it. You know, I'm happy that I beat it, and I didn't have to look up any cheat codes in Nintendo Power or get get any friends to pass the level for me or whatever. I just, you know, the the leapers never bothered me because they just kind of reminded me of like the hunters in Halo, and I was like, oh, I just gotta you know wait for them to charge and then shoot them in the back. You know, I yeah. was like, okay, I got this down. You know. I think with both games, it's like really awesome to have Transformer games that are so good you can recommend them to non-Transformer fans. Yeah, yeah definitely. I was I was just reading like the, I got like the new Game Informer a couple days ago, and they did like their best of the year edition and like uh, their best fifty games of the year, like Transformers: uh, Fall of Cybertron got on that, and like then they had like a list of all their editors and stuff in their top ten games of the year, and I was like counting how many times Transformers showed up, and like out of twenty something editors, it showed up like maybe ten times, so that's pretty. Well, good. I mean, I, I think. I think that speaks to kind of what I was saying, like that it's it's very uh, uh, user friendly. I don't know the best way to put it, but you know that kind of style of gameplay where you know it's it's entertaining. It has cutscenes. It has variety. It has a lot of fun elements to it, but it, it's not overly frustrating. You know, and and I guess some people, you know, they're like you know they're gamers. They spend you know standard retail sixty bucks on it when it comes out, and then they finish it in like a day, and they're all pissed off or something. But to me, it's like you know I don't have uh, you know I don't have twenty four hours to sit around and play a game all day. I don't mean to be an asshole, but I don't. You know, and it's like it's nice to come home and relax for a couple hours and play a few levels. And if I get frustrated, put it down, come back to it. It probably took me like a week and a half to finish the game, whereas most hardcore gamers are like, I beat that shit in two hours or whatever. I don't know whatever they do, but you know, it's like you know I, I you know to me I I don't always have that uninterrupted. Uh, stream of, 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 you know, 16 hours in a row to play a game un, uninterrupted, you know? <laughs> so, so for me, like, you know, I, I mean, I, I don't particularly love playing or paying playing. I don't particularly love uh, paying, uh, you know, suggested retail pricing for, for video games, but, you know, I knew both you guys were going to get it and, and I knew we were going to, you know, mess around with it and play it together, you know, at some point, and, and that's what we did. And, you know, I, I think for that element of it, it, it's worth it, you know, to me. So I didn't mind that, that particular time. You know, if it's like Conan or something, I don't mind waiting until it's like, you know, 10 bucks at the GameStop and getting it there. And if I'm frustrated with it, it's like, uh, it was only 10 bucks, you know, so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
another one last thing I should add. Another thing like like that kind of disappointed me about full uh, war for Cybertron. I was like at, at the end of this game, I was like, oh, thank God! Like Optimus and Megatron are gonna fight each other. Like good. Like you know they like or they actually like met each other because like in the the first game, I don't think they they ever cross paths. Yeah. So. Uh. I was like, okay, good. I guess, I guess what does, does the first game kind of suffer suffer from uh, prequelitis or something like where they, they for some reason they can't uh, interact for for fear of uh, damaging the time stream or something. Yeah. Well, it's like the, the 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 Autobot campaign like takes place like you play the Autobot campaign and then you play the Decepticon campaign and the Decepticon campaign like doesn't intersect with the Autobot campaign yeah. like until like a certain point and even then it's like they just kind of like I don't know like pass yeah. each other yeah. by they narrowly pass each other like ships in the night yeah sweet um uh, is there I, I just before we go into I guess our standard awesome thing of the week? Is there any uh, final thoughts, final words that either of you guys want to share about this uh, either fall for Cybertron or you know future future video games or, or war for Cybertron or anything like that? Um, I really hope High Moon Studios keeps the license for a while and puts out another game or two. Yeah, I agree. Okay, cool. Yeah, I definitely concur with all that. As as long as I had as much fun as I had this time, I'm all for, for playing a, a sequel game. We cannot allow Megatron to plunder another world the way he has Cybertron. For once, we agree. Return to base. We will face this together. You're weak, Optimus. You run when you should fight. I'm taking the space bridge down. Grimlock, wait. So we'll we'll move on now, and we'll we'll do our our standardized awesome thing, like what's awesome in the fan holes world this week. Um, I guess I'll I'll go down the Skype tree here and uh, start with uh, Michael and ask him what's awesome in his world this week. Well, I saw The Hobbit this week, and uh, I I enjoyed it quite a bit, and uh, that's that's pretty much all I have to say about it. I mean, it was a solid movie. And uh, it was a, uh, it was nice to see. Like I, I enjoyed how, like you know, every time someone from like the Lord of the Rings trilogy popped up, like the audience all clapped and cheered, and you know, we, you know, that's always a good like experience to see that. And you know, I've, I've never actually read the book, but you know, I'm kind of interested now. So, you know, I, I, I thought it was a really great movie. Yeah, I, I saw it today myself. I, I thought it was pretty entertaining, and uh, like like most of those movies, I mean, you know, it seems like, uh, you know. Very, very faithful to uh, to the original source material and everything, and uh, I, I think it's pretty entertaining. The the only thing I'll say that I thought was funny was I, I was telling Mike earlier. I think my dad, because we went and saw it together, because he really wanted to go watch it, and uh, I, I told Mike I think my dad is suffering from uh, Back to the Future Two syndrome. And Mike's like, "What's that mean?" You know, and I'm just kind of like, "Dude, it's like you know, you watch Back to the Future Two, and you, if you didn't." Either if you didn't know, or even if you know it's coming, you know, it comes to the end, and it's kind of like, and check us out in a few years for Back to the Future 3. You know, like, it's like one of those things where you kind of feel like, where's the end of the movie? You know, like, I mean, there is an end, you know, and, and, and they have a climax and everything, but it is, you know, you, you can kind of see, like, you're like, dude, three movies for The Hobbit? Like, that's kind of milking that shit. But, you know, just despite <laughs> despite that, like, it's very well-done movie, and, and it was very entertaining, and it has a lots of uh i think i think it has lots of tidbits of wisdom that that people could learn from even today if they just fucking listened you know so 
just listen when you go watch the movie, and you'll you'll hear lots of tidbits of wisdom in it. So, cool. Um, Brian, well, you got some awesome things on tap for us this week. Um, I have some awesome things coming in the mail to me, thanks to my friend Mike. Um, as I've posted on Bot Talk and talked on the show a little bit, I've been trying to put together a West Coast Avengers team, mostly due to the really awesome Iron Man figure I got recently. Um, uh, I stated a week or two ago that I had to get the Iron Man figure on eBay because he hadn't been showing up, um, or actually Big Bot, um, because he hadn't been... or big bad sorry he hadn't been showing up in stores in my area and the line still hasn't shown up or anything but um mike emailed me you know the other night out of the blue saying dude check this out and you know on amazon uh all these figures were like on sale for some reason and they're really cheap so i ended up getting dr doom and uh u.s agent for like seven bucks a piece which is about half of retail so i'm pretty stoked to get those yeah I was like, me and Derek were just looking at stuff, and I was kind of like, wait a minute, these are friggin' cheap right now. Yeah. I was like, oh my god, we gotta tell Brian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I wonder, like, I was like, I'm not sure if he has some of these, but, like, we gotta, like, let him know. Because I, I was kind of like, man, that Iron Man's only four something. Like, maybe he'd want another one, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just I just wanted Mike to email you to laugh at you, you know, and say like, "Oh look, it's uh, it's like three dollars <laughs> cheaper than what you paid on Big Bad or whatever." So, you know, but he's like, "No, dude, like Brian will be excited about Doctor Doom and U.S. Agent and all this other shit." So I was like, "Yeah, those are pretty cool. much the only two figures as the other two figures I was looking for out of the line besides Iron Man." So pretty much I have them all, and I got them all like way cheaper than the store. So pretty sweet. Cool. So so now what you do is you take uh, you take that. Uh, Dog face looking uh, Scarlet Witch, and you just have like Doom like step on her neck or something, and the other guy, <laughs> the other guys can be like rushing Doom, like get your damn hands off her. Honestly, you know? I was thinking about throwing that guy Gardner you hate so much in there just to piss you off. <laughs> <laughs> have him in the background like macking on Scarlet Witch with all the nice. other cool figures in front. But, hey, well, Doom, Doom almost like married her like recently in like Children's yeah, Crusade, yeah. so he could he could just like put another like Doom mask on her, you know, just to make it consistent, you know. Mrs. Doom, they can have like the yes. farmer and wife. Uh, it's like I can't look at your dog, your badly sculpted <laughs> face. You know, here, have a Doom have mask. A, have a Doom face, honey. Like when I'm not busy uh, uh, assassinating you in the Ultimate Universe or whatever, I'm busy marrying you in the six one six. My awesome thing is going to require a little bit of storytelling, but um, my awesome thing is that I I finally got the Twilight Zone. Uh, it's two box sets that have the first set is the first season and then the second box set is season two and three. And this Does is it from have the, the episode with the vacuum on it. I hope so. <laughs> um, it, it's got it's got uh, it's the series from the eighties. So so I haven't seen this in like twenty five thirty years. Um, I, I probably mentioned it when we talked about Twilight Zone on like a previous Halloween podcast, but the only episode that is seared in my young child brain is there was this episode where a guy was eating hordes of Chinese food and like he opens up fortune cookies that tell him like the future. And so he opens up a fortune cookie that's like, you are going to die. And then like he keeps eating all this fucking Chinese food. And that's all I remembered as a kid. And then he opened up the fortune cookie and it's like, you are already dead. You know? And I was just like, as a little kid, I was like, Oh my God. Like (laughs) fortune cookie told him he's dead. You know? And I was like, freaking out. And, um, it turns out, it, that is episode 14C 
of uh, of the first season, and uh, it is called I think it's called um, like your fortune or my fortune, something like that, something fortune. And it was funny because because uh, I, I was like, you know what? Like, it, it's not like I've been going in order and watching them. It was just like I only had time to, you know, watch one episode. And so I, I, I was like, oh, I want to know which one that is. I think it was called like Misfortune or something like that. But anyway, I, I looked it up on the Wikipedia and, and knew it was 14C. And so they're all kind of like 15-minute little segments because I guess the show ran for like an hour, but they did little, you know, like three little short stories or something for that hour. And so it was the third segment and it's Elliot Gould and he's like this restaurant owner or no he's a restaurant review critic and he's just this big asshole because he writes all these shitty reviews before he even goes to the restaurant and so like there's this new restaurant opening and he won't even like touch the food he's like just give me my check I'm done give me my check and he's like this big asshole and so then the guy's like oh you don't have to pay for what you didn't eat and what you didn't like like here's a special fortune cookie and basically like he opens up the fortune cookie and it says something like you know uh, a grand uh, you know reward is headed your way when you turn around the corner and the guy's like what the fuck does that mean and then this guy stealing diamonds like runs around the corner bumps into him drops the diamonds runs off the, the police are chasing after him, but then the detective shows up and is like, you just saved us like a billion dollars. You found the stolen diamonds, buddy. I was going to give these security guys this $1,000 reward, but it's yours now. You know, and so it's like, oh, this these fortune cookies tell the truth, you know. And then he's all about to change his review because he wrote them this horrible review in the paper. He's like, oh, I'll write you a good one this time. Just give me one of those special fortune cookies. And so they give him another fortune cookie, and it says something like, uh, you know, April uh, uh, is coming, you know, romance in April is coming your way tomorrow or something. And uh, and the guy's like, what the fuck does this mean? It's fucking September. You guys are fucking douchebags. I'm going to leave my shitty review and, and screw you guys. I'm going home. And so then he bumps into this girl. Uh, you know, she doesn't know where she's going. He leads her to the right building. They make a date, and everything's hunky-dory, and he's like, hey, what's your name? She's like, my name is April. And it's like, dun-dun-dun, you know, so it's like telling him all this bullshit. And then eventually they go to the restaurant, and he brings her this time. She gets a fortune cookie that says, you're going to realize you made a horrible mistake. And then he gets a fortune cookie that says, you are going to die. And then he's all pissed off and, like, starts, you know, yelling at the guy and, and, and you know, just chastising these poor guys that are giving them food. The the chick realizes he's a total asshole. It's like, I've made a mistake. I need to leave. And and he's just saying, why'd you write this stuff in the fortune cookie? And then it gets all, like, surreal because he walks outside. He gets ravenously hungry. And then all of a sudden the, the, the set, like it's, you know, it's just a Chinese restaurant in a back alley, but all of a sudden it turns into like fucking Blade Runner Chinatown where there's like 50 million restaurants and he just keeps eating all this bullshit and they keep bringing him noodles and all this crap. And that's basically what I remembered when I was a little kid that I freaked out about. Cause he like, basically like, it's kind of like he, he eats himself to death or something weird, you know, where the cookie opens up and it's like, you are already dead, you know? And it's just like, you're like, holy shit. So anyway, it was, it was really fun. I mean, I don't know. It's just been so long since I've seen that. And it was like such a nostalgia trip to see something after like, almost like, I don't know, like 25, 30 years or something. So you said it's the eighties. Yeah. 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 So, well, look look out for the episode where Garrick from Deep Space Nine is President Kennedy. Awesome. 
Awesome. He's like, he's like, ah, for a Cardassier. Ah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I know that's a long-winded, awesome thing, but uh, but yeah, it was just, it was a real big trip to uh, to sort of revisit that piece of my past that I thought was kind of long gone. And I guess, I guess the series is kind of tough to come by. Like I had to get the two seasons on eBay because I guess it's out of print or whatever. And it was something that I never, I, I don't think I ever picked it up when it was in the stores because I think suggested retail was like sixty bucks. For, or a set or something like that. And, uh, you know, so anyway, but, um, I, you know, I just wanted to share that. And, uh, I guess, uh, you know, if you enjoyed our talk about, uh, Transformers, uh, Regeneration One or War for Cybertron or Fall of Cybertron, uh, send us some emails, let us know. Um, if you disagree with some of our opinions, you know, you think we're crazy about, uh, you know, liking, not liking things or, uh, you know, what kind of, you know, our criticisms or whatever, if you have some alternate, a viewpoint that you'd like to share or something you think we missed out on, you know, go ahead, send us an email at uh, fanholespodcast at gmail.com. Um, we're always uh, you know, willing and able to uh, receive some emails. Uh, you can send us stuff on uh, Twitter, Facebook. We have a Tumblr page. Woo! So, yeah, we got plenty of stuff. Uh, so, uh, you know, if you want, send us some feedback. Let us know what's going on. And uh, I guess until the next time, I am uh, Derek, Derek WC, signing off. This is Brian Breakdown. And Mike Thunderwing. First. War for Cybertron. For Cybertron. (laughs) That'll be the next one, Peace for Cybertron. Water was running, children were running, you were running out of time. Under the mountain. So I guess the one I think is lame is a variant, and the figure you got is the normal version, which I actually like better. I think, yeah, I think that's the one that came in the box. I, I'd have to double-check, because it's one of those big lots of crap that I won. So. Are you keeping him? Yeah, yeah. If, if I somehow end up with a second one due to shenanigans, I, I'll let you know. I'll just probably buy, end up buying one, but thanks for thinking of me. <laughs> Derek's gonna like get up in the middle of the night and like go to the refrigerator or, like to get something to drink and switch the light on and Brian's gonna be there in like a burglar outfit like with it <laughs> dressed like, like the hamburglar. I'm like I can see your blonde hair uh, and popping red out of the mask. <laughs>